Welcome to Manufacturing Tomorrow, focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations, solutions, and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future. Hello there, you're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host for this segment. We are at the sold-out Ohio State Center for Operational Excellence Leading Through Excellence Summit to learn from their expert breakout session speakers. And lucky you don't have to pay registration to glean some of the wisdom being offered. I'm speaking with Eric Olson. He's the director of Central Coast Lean, professor and chair of industrial technology and packaging at California Polytechnic State University. And his session at the Center for Operational Excellence Summit this year is Power of Lean Habits. Eric, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. In your summit session on the power of lean habits, you refer refer to Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, and he builds this case that habits and habit loops explains key aspects of human and organizational behavior. What is a habit loop? Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, you know, I, I try to read a lot of books and, and, you know, even some of the the popular business, you know, press out there, which, you know, sometimes is unusual for us professor types. But when I read Charles Duhigg's uh, book, and I'm, I'm reading about habits, and one of the challenges we always have in lean, and I talk about it as, you know, what's the secret sauce? What makes lean implementation work in one organization versus another. And when Charles Duhigg was sort of talking about habits, he was describing this thing called a habit loop. And the idea there would be a loop would be there's some sort of cue or something that starts to make you um, do the habit. And, you know, the example, I think, is is always sort of relevant for us that are dealing with so many um, 18 to 20-year-old somethings is the whole thing with the cell phone, right? Yes. So you get some sort of cue, like the cell phone buzzes or it rings or, you, you know, you get your FaceTime measurement. That's sort of the, the cue. There's some sort of um, routine or behavior that goes in, right? So you, you open it up, you look, you scroll down, and what that's behavior. And there's some sort of reward involved, like, a, you know, some sort of self-satisfaction or gratification you get, you know, from going through that. And that actually generates a craving, right, that says, okay, I want this to happen more or, you know, I really sort of like this. And so you're always waiting for that next, you know, buzz of the cell phone. And so looking at that, we said, wow, you know, that's that's kind of interesting, you know, because when we do lean, um, a lot of times we're very into, say, visual management or and-on cords or signals or things. And, and those are all very much maybe like cues, right? that we could follow. And then so the cue should generate, you know, some sort of behavior. Maybe it's a plan, do, check, act or something like that. And then, you know, there's some sort of reward and you're hopefully your your managers or patent their employees on the back or, you know, saying, you know, good job or, or giving them rewards of some kind for, for that sorts of behavior that creates, you know, a craving. I said, well, that would be a, you know, great sort of lean system. And maybe, the problem why we don't get lean to stick as much as we might is because, you know, we're, we're focusing all on the cues, but we, we forgot about, well, we need to train people in what behavior we're trying to get. Or we get the cues and the behavior, but, you know, we're not, we're, we're deficient on the reward system. And so let's start looking at, um, you know, this, the lean things we're trying to implement maybe as a, as a habit loop and maybe that will give us some insight into how we can do these things better. 
So that's that's sort of what we're about, and I'm uh, especially excited to be here at this conference or talking about this so that I can get some some feedback from people really doing this stuff and say, hey, this you know this is an observation, this is a little theory that I have on how this works. What do you guys think? You know, do you, do you kind of see this this kind of phenomenon in the workplace, or does this explain something for you? Instead of getting that adrenaline rush from putting out fires, you're saying use that same approach to being more systematic with lean. Yeah, yeah, because you you, can, you know certainly just like in life, we got good habits and bad habits. Um, so if I would look at uh, typical business operations from a bad habit perspective, you know, you've got, you know, certain uh, fire happens or, or there's some sort of crisis uh, on the shop floor. We jump into our firefighting mode, you know, we, we're phone calling, we're running around, we're, we're trying to get the, the symptom of the moment fixed. And then we actually get, you know, people that are rewarded for those sorts of things, right? You get your best firefighters are promoted up into um, supervision and management and things, right? And we perpetuate that sort of behavior. It becomes a habit, you know, almost at the organizational level. And so we, we say, okay, we're going to observe that habit and we're going to say, okay, well, now we got firefighting. You're always going to have the fires, but that could be a cue, right? Well, the fire's a cue. Maybe we need to modify the behavior, right? Maybe if we do modify the behavior, let's make sure we got a reward structure in place that reinforces that, you know, behavior, right? So, you know, habit loops, modifying, you know, existing habits, changing out pieces and parts, I think could be a very productive, uh, very productive thing for organizations to, to work with. So. Do you think it's, um, I, when I was looking at this, it seemed like it had some, um, an approach similar to Aikido, where you're using the, your opponent's strength to defend yourself, but also protect your opponent from injury. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like that idea. Um, actually, I was, I was looking at, um, I guess it was a 60-minute show, and they were talking about, and I, I use that example about the cell phone or, or the smartphone because it's so pertinent to everybody as far as how many uh, people go. And they started talking about, you know, the, the folks in Silicon Valley and within the industry, which were designing, you know, smartphone interfaces to be more addictive and sort of more habit forming, right? And I said, oh, geez, you know, here I am going to Ohio State to talk about this stuff. And um, there is a dark side, right, to this. There's, you know, for good and for evil. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm always biased towards sort of uh, – being conscious and understanding what's going on. And to the degree that, you know, some of these psychological concepts, uh, uh, behavioral psychology can sort of explain the things that we're dealing with in the workplace, um, you know, it's up to us to make sort of good decisions on how we apply this and what we do. Um, I'm certainly not interested in making uh, automatons um, out of, of people and workers. But one of the things, and this is one of the things Charles Duhigg, you know, observes in his book is habits are very efficient, right? I, I shouldn't, you know, one of the reasons habits exist is to act as sort of a, a shortcut or a way to sort of get things done. I don't want to have to think about every step I take and consciously, you know, move one foot in front of another. Some things ought to be automatic or behavioral, you know, as part of a, a sort of a habit sort of situation. So to the degree that we can identify the good things and make that happen within our organizations, I think it can be very powerful. 
That makes sense. I, I hope yeah. that you're, those who come to your session uh, see that it makes sense as well. And uh, to change topics, we were talking about this before we, we started the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, Could you provide a little bit more information about the Industry Technology and Packaging Program? Yeah. So, so, so at Cal Poly, um, we, we have the, the fortune, or sometimes I think of it as the uh, disfortune. Um, so I'm the chair of the Industrial Technology and Packaging Program. And um, it's kind of an unusual situation. Um, we're located inside the College of Business. So the industrial technology side of the house for us um, looks at that sort of traditional operations management, supply chain, quality systems piece. And then we've also, um, back in the early 90s, we had some professors that um, identified a need for packaging that worked very well with that sort of operations management uh, piece. One way that you could sort of think about it is, you know, if I wanted to give somebody experience with operations management and um, I had to think of, a, well, what's a low cost, easy to experiment with, you know, set of materials. I can't have them build, you know, 100 jet engines, but I can have them make 100 boxes or 100 packages or something like this. So it's a real low-cost way for students to get really sort of good hands-on experience with everything from, you know, raw materials to design to manufacturing to the machines that make packaging to, you know, sales um, and supply chain management. The program must be successful if it's third in the nation. Well, yes. As as far as a packaging program, uh, we kind of count ourselves as being sort of the number three in the country. We're actually the the biggest program west of the Mississippi. Um, we got some some bigger schools like Michigan State and Clemson that do a you know a very good job on packaging. But you know, with our sort of unique blend of the packaging and the industrial technology piece, and located in the College of Business, you know, we think we put out some of the best students. Um, with regards to total bang for your buck horsepower, you know, in the industry with regards to that. So. Well, congratulations on the program and uh, best of luck on your session. Okay. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. We are speaking to Mark Reich, COO of the Lean Enterprise Institute, a nonprofit organization that focuses on lean methodology and that approaches uh, what works best in the real world. Mark also was former general manager of Toyota's North American Hushim process. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Uh, your session was on strategy deployment and alignment through Hushin. Uh, how do you see the uh, Hushin process uh, being an effective management tool? Oh, that's a big question. Well, uh, I kind of shared that in the presentation today. Uh, I think often organizations struggle with how to take what are big initiatives in a company and break those down so that people at each level in the organization can understand what their role is in con- contributing to that, and then confirming that those things are actually progressing at each level in the organization in order to contribute to that higher goal. So Hoshin is really kind of me- rep- meant to kind of create that framework and management structure to... Uh, to ensure that those higher-level objectives are achieved. Uh, you've mentioned that uh, 
Ocean Planning releases creativity in each team member, and uh, I understand that uh, the terminology for that is is a um, is a catchball approach. Yes. Uh, can you describe that a little bit more for our audience? So I think traditionally in uh, uh, many organizations, uh, particularly well maybe large companies I guess in particular, but I guess small companies as well. I shared an example earlier of Legal Seafoods. The leadership, or maybe CEO and maybe his staff, feels it's their job to kind of set direction for the organization and just uh, deploy that direction through the organization. Uh, I think, however, uh, in uh, lean thinking in practice, we feel it's important to kind of deeply understand uh, the needs of the organization from where the work occurs. The, and we, I guess we refer to it as the value-creating work, the work that actually creates value for the customer that they'll pay for. Uh, leadership sometimes doesn't have a full grasp of that because they are busy de- defining what the future direction of the organization is. So the more that we can engage different levels in the organization, all the way down to the, the front-line worker, uh, the more we can kind of uh, build that uh, input and create some creativity to support uh, what leadership is thinking should be the direction. So it's a catchball is really, back to your question, catchball is really how do you create that dynamic where the leader may have some like vision or expectation of the organization that they want to achieve and uh, they might provide that uh, kind of initial direction to someone that works for them. And how do they, how does that person kind of think through potentially how to achieve that and come back. And so there's this dynamic of, if you think about it, catch ball literally is like throwing the ball back and forth like kids used to do with their fathers in their backyard. And uh, so how do, you, how do you kind of like create that dynamic where like the two, the two parties are learning from one another? How can managers become more purposeful in that approach? Uh, what would be the first steps that you would recommend? Well, probably there needs to be a learning-like structure in the organization for that to happen. If the leader just comes in and says, well, I, I'd like to achieve – so the example we gave, I gave of Legal Seafoods, we have, they have 33 restaurants. We want to have 60 restaurants in two years. We want to double our, the number of restaurants we have. If the manager who's might ha- who might have some responsibility to kind of make that happen doesn't have the ability to kind of think through how to solve that problem, how do we go from that from where we are now, maybe innovate, they may have to change the format of restaurants, think about the type of restaurants they have, that then probably that initiative will struggle. So it's, so it's really about how do you build capability to solve somewhat complex organizational problems at a uh, managerial at an executive level. The, we, we had a tool in Toyota we used called the A3 that kind of, uh, the purpose of which was kind of to build, build that capability to solve those more complex uh, organizational issues. So speaking of Toyota, I, I know that there was another speaker, uh, Dan Markovitz, um, who emphasized that companies shouldn't try to copy Toyota. Hmm. Uh, what do you perceive as the um, however, as the lessons that can be learned um, when it comes to uh, the Toyota way? That's a good question. I mean, I, it's an interesting perspective. I think uh, 
I think uh, my personal feeling, uh, and I'm not disagreeing necessarily. With, I completely agree with what Dan's saying. I think the world, and I get a fair amount of visibility to it, being out like I am here in Columbus, and I get different perspectives, uh, hearing from different people, seeing different companies. I, I think the the world and the, the interest in lean in different industries is moving a little bit beyond uh, the uh, beyond Toyota. I think I think there is now much there's much more uh, interest in learning from different organizations that are trying things at different like levels in their journey. Uh, one of the challenges I believe organizations faced when they tried to copy Toyota is that Toyota has been doing this methodology for 70 years now. And so if to try to copy something that if you're somebody 70 years ahead of you, it's like me trying to race Jesse Owens in the 100-yard dash. That's true. So, I mean, I think the uh, – so I think actually companies can learn – I think companies are starting to realize that companies, organizations, it's not only companies – are starting to realize that there, I can learn from someone who's maybe five yards ahead of me as opposed to someone who's 100 yards ahead of me. And so now having said that, I do believe that one, the one thing you asked, what, what can Toyota people learn from Toyota? I mean, I still think that, and it's not so long since I've been out of Toyota, and I think Toyota probably still is the best example tr uh, holistically that's trying to do this uh, so I think there, as long as organizations see it as a point of like reference for the thinking and the, and not as a way to go learn and to what tools to copy, I think it, I think it, to it, it can be still be a really good reference. Do you see a flexibility with the company's culture? I think every situation is different, and uh, I, you know, if you were you know, in my presentation at all at the beginning, I shared a video that kind of shared how really it's a situation, this is a lean transformation, a situational approach based on many factors in a company. Their capability, the size of the company, the industry they're in, their competitive uh, situation, uh, the urgency of their current business need. So I, I, you know, it's kind of hard to make a general statement. I, I do think that it's probably not the best place to start, I think, in an organization because uh, it is something I believe that ultimately has to be led by the le by the leadership of the organization. I mean, yeah, you want you want, you want both bottom up and top down, but you top has to understand like how this works, and so much around Hoshin is uh, is tied up into the culture, even the whole catchball bar process. We mm -hmm. I just explained is a culture of like building problem solving from the bottom up. Well, if you if the CEO doesn't have a or our leadership does not have a good understanding of those concepts, you know, Hosh, they can probably trip up a little bit by starting there. It's better to start with like taking some uh, specific problem the organization has and actually working on that to solve that issue by reducing lead time, improving quality of a given process. And then see how those benefits, see how those kind of the true business result benefits can uh, impact team members, leadership. So then the, then the CEO and others can kind of get a, a little bit of a practical understanding of how it works in their, in their organization first. 
Uh, Mark, thank you for joining us on the show. Sure. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.